Hi, I'm Stephen Apt, and here at Divine Savior Church, we believe that the message of Jesus truly changes lives. And so it's my prayer that as you listen to this message, that it does change your heart, uh, that it brings you peace and hope once again today. After you listen to it, if you wouldn't mind subscribing and liking, uh, we'd be grateful for that so that more people can hear the message of Jesus. Thank you. About five years ago, I, I met this couple in uh, Santa Rita, the husband and wife and two kids. Uh, and back then, Santa Rita was still a, a pretty small community. And so our street was a, a pretty nice, tight-knit group. Uh, we had, once a month, we had Saturday morning brunch together at uh, one of the couple's houses uh, just around the corner. Um, and through that, I got to know this couple. Uh, it turns out they were big football fans. And so we started a Santa Rita Ranch Fantasy Football League, uh, which lasted three years. We got together for the draft. We had a draft board, um, and we spent the night, the, the evening together as uh, we did the draft. It was a great time. But even after all of that and that fizzled out, I still saw them on a regular, uh, regularly because as I went for a walk, they lived just around the corner from me, I'd see them outside in the backyard with their dog and two kids. And I just saw them all recently, uh, right before Christmas, and so it shocked me that after Christmas, just this year, after the new year, the husband posted on Facebook that his wife passed away. Uh, I didn't see it coming, but I don't know really what's going on in their life. But as soon as that happened, a GoFundMe page was started and, and money was poured in from the Santa Rita Ranch community. Poured in from not just here, though, uh, their friends and family from back where they used to live poured in money for them as well. And it's so much poured in that just a few days ago, the husband posted on Facebook that the amount of generosity that people have shown in this hardest time of his life is overwhelming and awe-inspiring. What this man has experienced in the darkest time of his life is generosity. And even in the midst of, of this darkest time, of, of, of this greatest heartbreak in his life, what is he filled with? An overwhelming amount of thankfulness and awe. And probably, he didn't put it in there, but probably humility that so many people would shower on him this generosity it's something that he never saw before. When you experience generosity like that, it fills you with those very things. It fills you with an overwhelming sense of gratitude, with humility and awe. And no matter who you are today, no matter who you are sitting here and watching online, all of us have experienced this type of generosity, and dare I say even more, because we have experienced the generosity of our God. And that's why we're starting this series. For the next couple of weeks, we'll be looking through the exper experiencing generosity, and it's really experiencing the generosity of our God. And what we're going to see at the end is we're going to be left with an overwhelming amount of gratitude, an overwhelming amount of gratitude, humility, and awe of our God. 
someone from the Old Testament experienced the generosity of God, and that was King David. King David was a young shepherd boy who was out in the fields with the flocks. No one would have picked him to be king. In fact, uh, when Samuel was sent to anoint the next king to Jesse's family, his dad's family, he was the very last one to be picked to walk before Samuel because nobody expected David, the young shepherd boy, to, to be the next king. But God chose him to be the next king and anointed him. And over the course of his life, he experienced the generosity of God. And later on in life, he wrote a psalm, Psalm 145, about the praise of God. And he's in awe of God and the generosity that he has for David. And so that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at Psalm 145 as we talk about the generosity of our God. I'm going to read the whole thing. And as I read, if you have a pen, you can circle or underline everything that describes God, the Lord. Here's what we're told. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He, ha to all. he has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord, your faithful people extol you. They tell, of the king, they tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he, he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. This is God's word. I love what David says in verse 3. His greatness no one can fathom. His greatness, talking about God, his greatness no one can fathom. This is why David says, I will meditate on your wonderful works. I will stop and think and consider your wonderful works and just how great and awesome you are, God. And though he can't fathom how great God is, he lays out an entire psalm trying to grasp a little bit of the greatness of his God. And here are just ten of them if you walk through them. Uh, he's most worthy of praise. Uh, he does mighty acts, glorious splendor and majesty, wonderful works, awesome works, great deeds. He's abundantly good and righteous. He's gracious 
and compassionate. He's, uh, he's in charge of an eternal kingdom. Uh, he's trustworthy in all his promises. He never lies. The eyes of everyone look to him, and he provides for every living creature. He is near to those who call on him. And he hears them, and he saves them. Those are ten things. Ten aspects of our God. And now imagine meditating on each of those once a week. I mean, take one per week, and you have ten weeks of meditation, and you will not mind the depths of God's greatness. You will never mind just how great he is. And yet as we meditate, as we meditate and think about our God, we are in awe of him. And that's your first point this morning. Meditating on God leads to an awe of God. David says, I'm going to meditate on your awesome works, your wonderful deeds. Look at creation and see the greatness of our God. Uh, I like space. Not that I want to go up into space, but I like space. It fascinates me. I've got the NASA app on my phone. I can bust it out and I can look around and I can see the stars and the constellations and the planets and where they're at in real time. Uh, and so I was on NASA's website earlier this week and on their website, it talks about how big the Milky Way galaxy is. Can you guess how long it would take traveling at the speed of light to go from one end of the galaxy to the other? The answer? 100,000 years. That's what the website says. Traveling at the speed of light from one end of the Milky Way to the other end of the Milky Way, 100,000 years, they say. That's incredible. As you think of God creating that whole galaxy, and then you stop and think, God fills it all. You could travel across the whole galaxy, and there's nowhere you would go that God isn't. Another psalm says, I go up to the heavens, and you are there. How great is our God? When was the last time you meditated on the fact that he's righteous and what that means? That there's no sin in God. That he never has an ulterior motive. That, that God never says one thing but really means another. He never deceives. He never lies. That God doesn't hurt others. God always acts righteously and justly, and he's never uh, sinning. He's righteous in everything. Think about what that means. When was the last time you meditated on the fact that God is eternal? No beginning. Well, where did God come from? He's always been. Well, who created God? He wasn't created. He's just always been been around. For you and me, that's hard to comprehend. If we really start, stop and think about that, God has no beginning. We can't fathom that. God's awesome and wonderful works, we, do we meditate on them? That God raises the dead. He parts the sea. He calms the storm. He does the impossible. There's nothing that God cannot do. When was the last time you stopped and meditated 
just on how great our God is. Do you know what happens when we do? God is placed in the position of God. When was the last time you meditated on God? Not only does God get placed in the God position then, but we get put in our rightful place, which is human, imperfect, not God. Do you know what happens when we don't meditate on, on how great our God is? Uh, our relationship with God turns into Aladdin genie. Genie's the more powerful one, isn't he? He's got the power, he can do anything, and yet Aladdin controls him. Imperfect Aladdin, lying, deceiving, stealing Aladdin, controls the genie, the all-powerful one. In that scenario, Aladdin is the more powerful one, despite genie being able to do anything. He serves and is bound to Aladdin. Does that describe your relationship with God? If you stop and meditate on how big God is and how great he is, it won't be. Because God is far greater than you and me. When we stop and meditate on God, do you know what also we get to? That God is self-sustaining. God needs nothing. He's bound to no one. And he doesn't need anyone. It's a harsh reality, but God is so great, he doesn't need Stephen Apt. He doesn't owe Stephen Apt anything. Especially as we consider mankind and how man ruined God's perfect creation. God creates this wonderful world, this wonderful universe, and he hands it over to mankind. And what does Adam and Eve do? What do they do? They sin. And they bring hatred into the world. They bring death into the world. They bring sin into the world. All the problems that in our, are in our life are because of man. God owes us nothing. And yet, what do we know about our God? Though he is so great, he cares for us. This is why in another psalm, David says, Who is man? that you are mindful of him? What, what is the son of man that you care for him? And yet God does. The greatness of our God no one can fathom, and yet when we stop and we meditate on our God, it leads to an awe of God. And as we sit and we are in awe of God and who he is, we can't help but see the generosity of our God. And that's where David leads to in this psalm. Number one, or your next point, I'm sorry. When I'm in awe of God, I see the generosity of God. And we see it in a couple different ways. Point A to this one is generosity in his provision. David says, the eyes of all look to you. And you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and you satisfy the desires of every living thing. The eyes of all look to you, God. In the animal kingdom, humans, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, the land creatures, everything looks to God for food. 
And what does God do? He opens his hand and satisfies the desires of every living thing. That's easy to see in the animal kingdom, isn't it? Because they don't have pantries. They literally wake up every day looking for food, and God provides for them. God opens, he gives them their food at the proper time. It's a little harder to see for humans, for you and me, because we earn money. We go to H-E-B. We purchase the food, and then we cook it when we're ready to eat. And then, not to mention, we have a whole pantry full of food that will last us at least a week, uh, maybe more. Freezers filled with food. And yet all of it comes from God, David says. Who gives us the talents and abilities that we have to work? God. Who makes sure that the economy is running smoothly so that we can actually earn money? God. Who sends rain to water the crops that can be harvested? Who brings rain to water the grass for the cattle to eat? God. If you ask a farmer, they will tell you. They have no control whether it's going to be a good season or not. God does. God provides all of this so that we have food to eat. Not only that, but what does God also do? He generously gives us life, breath, and everything else, Paul says in Acts chapter 17. Can you control that your heart is beating? No. Can you control that you can breathe? I guess you could stop breathing, but God makes it all the organs in our body work so that we have life and breath and everything else. And he generously provides it to everyone. To those that appreciate it. To those who recognize it. And to those who reject God. To those who are ungrateful. The eyes of all look to God. And he generously provides all that we need for this life. No matter who you are. He does it for everyone. Think about that. The great God that no one can fathom, who fills the universe, provides for even people who reject him, who speak badly about him. The God who who provides for you and me when we're discontent with what he's given us. He gives it and he gives it and he gives it to all. But we also see his generosity in something even greater than that. And it's your next one. In his grace and compassion. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love. Do you think King David understood that? Not just from a knowledge standpoint, but experience the generosity of God's compassion and grace. Absolutely. David became king, and you know what David did? He committed adultery with Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. And Uriah wasn't an unknown guy to him. Uriah was part of that 30-guy group, his cabinet, so to speak. He knew Uriah, Uriah well. And he knew Bathsheba was uh, his, her, his wife. And yet he committed adultery with her. And then she became pregnant, and so what did he do? He covered it up 
by having Uriah killed, murdered. And if that wasn't bad enough, David had multiple kids from multiple different wives, and one of his sons raped his half-sister. And then he didn't do anything about it. He let it go. And so her brother got angry and wanted justice, so he went and killed his half-brother who did it. Guess what David did? Nothing. And so Absalom, who murdered his brother, became bitter at dad, wanted justice, didn't respect dad, and so he overthrew King David's throne. And guess what that led to? Many deaths in Israel because it led to a civil war. The Israelites killed each other because David's absence as a father and lack of justice from the throne. And it ended with Absalom being killed as well. All of this, David sinned. He made a mess of everything that God gave him. And yet, God sent the prophet Nathan to David. And you remember what, David, what Nathan said to him? God says this, David, I have given you the kingdom. I have given you wives. And if all of this wasn't enough, I would have given you more. The generosity of God. And all David could say was, I have sinned. I've sinned against the Lord. And Nathan was able to tell him, the Lord has forgiven your sins. You will not die, but live. The grace and compassion of our God, the generosity of our God is unlike any God of this world because every other God comes from a human heart which says this, you live up to my expectations or else. You earn your spot or else. But that's not our God. Our God is gracious and compassionate and he's generous with his grace and his compassion. Some of you have made a mess of your marriage. Some of you have made a mess of your family because you've been too hands-off or too overbearing. Some of you have made mess in your relationships as a whole. Some of you are, have just been ungrateful for what God has given you, discontent, and it's led to all kinds of problems in your life as you're pursuing other things because you're not grateful for what God has given you in your stage of life. And we sit and we approach our God and we say, Lord, I have sinned. And what does he say? I'm generous with my compassion and my grace. Your sins are forgiven. And yet how great is our God that even that we're beginning to just scratch the surface because you dive deeper and what do you think? God, if you're just going to overlook my sin, then are you really righteous and just? Are you really righteous and just if you're just overlooking my sin? But if you're just and righteous, then you're going to have to punish me. And so how does God's love, his grace, his compassion, and his justice and righteousness come together? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God's justice over sin and his love and compassion for you and me meet in one man, and that is the God-man Jesus Christ, who took on our sin, who took responsibility, and he went to the cross. 
where he took the justice of God on himself so that God can say to you and me, I have an abundance. I am generous in my compassion and grace because my justice was taken out on Jesus Christ so that you are forgiven. The greatness of God no one can fathom. And we see it most clearly in Jesus Christ, the generous gift from God. And then for you and me, for Christians, there's one more generosity of our God, and that is that he's near to those who call on him. He hears us, and he saves us. When you're going through the brokenness of this world, the heartaches that life throws at you, the Lord promises that he's near to you, to sustain you, to heal you, to bring you through it. And he saves you. The awe of God leads to seeing God's generosity in everything because we put God in God's place and us in human place and how we are so dependent on God for everything and he graciously gives us all we need for this life and the next. He is generous in his provision. He is generous in his compassion and his grace. Your last point today. In order to experience the generosity of God, we need to recognize the greatness of our God. And as we do, we'll see the generosity everywhere and it will lead to an overwhelming amount of gratitude, humility, and awe of our God. Some of you this week, I'm going to encourage you to meditate on the greatness of our God and put him in the God place so that your heart becomes overfilled with gratitude and humility and awe. Others of you have already been through all of this, and now it's time for all of us to declare the praises of God to the next generation so that more people experience the generosity of our God. May he be with us as we do this. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are so great. Your greatness no one can fathom. Uh, but we want to try, because as we sit and meditate on you and, and mind the depths of who you are and how great you are, uh, we'll be led to awe of who you are. Uh, we thank you for being the God of this world. We thank you for your generous heart that you continue to give and give and give even when we don't recognize who you are. We take advantage of you. Uh, we're ungrateful uh, for what you've given. Uh, we thank you that you continue to give uh, no matter what. We ask that you fill us with humility. Um, help us to see who you are and be in awe of you and then see how generous you've been to each and every one of us. We thank you for sending your son Jesus into this world so that through him we may have life that is truly life and that is life eternal. The eternal kingdom is ours because of him and it's been given to you, given by you to us. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your generosity. Fill our hearts with an overwhelming amount of gratitude for what you've done for us. And let us look to tell the next generation and all those around us of who you are so that they may experience that same generosity as well. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this message today. It's my prayer that uh, it has changed your heart as you grew in the message of your Savior, Jesus. Again, if you wouldn't mind liking and subscribing, we'd be grateful for that. God bless your day.